If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Great success. Tonight we are in week three of my story, the sermon series of the year. All of us, we have a story. I don't know where you are in your story right now, but you have a story. For some of us, our stories are a bit, a bit more like the Disney movies. It's romantic. It's a beautiful ending. Everyone is still alive and everything works out for the prince and the princess. And that's maybe your story. Good for you. For the most of us, our stories are more like a horror film. <laughs> Ghosts, knives, blood, scared to death sometimes, surprises, but it's still our story. And listen to this, friend. In this series, we're saying that God is in control of your story. He's writing your story with His own hands. He's working everything together for His glory and your good. And your story fits into His grandest story of redemption and salvation throughout the history of the human race and also in the future. Your story is special. Your story is not just a few random you know, happenings or things that went by. Your story is intentional and your story is the place where God's glory and His beauty is made visible. Don't give up on your story. You're not in the last chapter. You may be stuck in that weird chapter where everything seems to fall apart. If you are there, just quickly, one nod. Okay, no. Maybe yesterday you got some news and you're starting a new chapter today. I don't know where you are, but the fact of the matter is embrace your story and let God work in and through your story. David writes in Psalm 107, he says verse two, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And in this series, we're looking at Bible characters and especially their stories and how God broke through in their stories. And we're sharing that with you, but also some of the stories in our family that God has provided, God has made a way, He was acting on your behalf and my behalf, and He is the good King who's in control. We're gonna share one of those stories also tonight. But first, let's open up our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5, and if you have your smartphone, you can, you can uh, scroll with me, otherwise you can just follow on the screen. I'm reading from the NIV, and we're going to read um, a bit later on, but it's the story that we're looking uh, uh, at tonight. It's the story of Naaman. Please say that with me, Naaman. Not Naaman, not Niman, say it, Naaman. Now, Aman in Afrikaans, I don't know how you pronounce it in any other language, just call him Naaman. Naaman, stop it with your nonsense. All right. Bit of backstory of Naaman. 
He was the commander of the king. The king's name was Aram. <laughs> he wasn't very Aram, but he was the king. Okay, it's late this year, people. I need to see all the funniness in this as well. All right. He was the chief commander of the king. He was a well-respected man. The king favored Naaman very highly. He was a valiant soldier. And listen to this. Through God's power, Naaman got a victory for this king in battle. So he's a victorious king at this time. And it's because of God's working through Naaman. But here's the, the side of Naaman that actually becomes this pinnacle point in his story. He was a leper. He had leprosy. We'll get to that in a bit. But as you read this story in 2 Kings chapter 5, you would quickly see that this guy was, yes, well-respected, highly um, uh, uh, you know, respected by everyone. He had incredible power, but there was a shadow side to this guy as well. And we read that this guy went with his men to Israel to kidnap a very innocent girl and bring her back to his country to be a slave to his wife. Now you can say, name man. All right, this slave girl was living there, serving his wife faithfully, and at one time, she got the courage to go to Naaman and say to him, you have to go back to my country, Israel. There's a prophet there, Elisha, who can heal you. So what Naaman did is he went to his king and asked him for a letter of recommendation to go back to Israel to be healed of his leprosy. So he, the king wrote this incredible letter, sent him off to his way, and he got to the king of Israel, handed him over the letter and said, I'm here to be healed by you. The king of Israel does not respond very positively. He torn his clothes, he put on sackcloth, he starts crying, and everyone was like, okay, this guy's obviously having a bit of a bad moment. And he said to them, to Naaman, do you think I am God? Do you think I can kill someone and then raise him up from the dead? He actually thought that King Aram was playing a very sick trick on him. He thought in his mind that this king is maybe, you know, stirring up some conflict again. And then these, this incredible thing happened. Elisha the prophet heard of this. He heard of this and then he sent message back. You know, I don't know how they did it that day, you know, without WhatsApp, without email. It's like we read one scripture, then the next, but there's like two months going where this messenger goes back. Give him the letter, go back. It's a long process. Okay, Elijah said to the king, bring this guy to me. I can probably heal him. So Naaman took silver, gold, incredible gifts, went to Elisha's home. He arrived there, and then Elisha sent a messenger out of his house to go to Naaman and say to him, "Listen, here, buddy, what you need to do 
is you need to go into the river Jordan, dip yourself seven times, and then you'll be healed. Now, I mean, if you're just a normal human being and you've got this sickness called leprosy, what would you do if a prophet from God say, go and dip yourself seven times in the river? You would run. Maybe you lost one foot, but you will run and dip yourself seven times. Not Naaman. He throws a two-year-old kind of tantrum. He's so angry and enraged that he turns around and walks away with his people. He's asking the question, why didn't Elisha come out from his house to meet me and say to God, Lord, please heal this incredible man? Why is he sent a messenger? And why do I have to go and embarrass myself in front of everyone and dip myself in a river that is not even from my hometown? Can't I just do it back there and be healed? And he turns around, he's in rage, and he's asking the question, do you know who I am, Elisha? Have you seen that little ad many years back where this guy books a flight and uh, he's got a bit of conflict with the person booking his flight and then he shouts, do you know who I am? The lady puts on the intercom and asking, ladies and gentlemen, there is a gentleman here who's not sure who he is. If you know him, please come and tell him. <laughs> he went away with his slaves and his soldiers. Luckily, his men had more brains, so they started convincing him to go back, say sorry, and dip himself. You can imagine that conversation. Like, we, we're not going to come close to you. We don't want that sickness, but please go back. We can't live with you like this anymore. In a moment, Naaman surrendered. I think his mother called. <laughs> 2 Kings 5 is 14. Listen to this. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. How we wish to have that kind of skin again. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is one God in all the world there's no God in all the world except the one from Israel. Please accept this gift from your servant. Let's stop here for a moment. Let's speak about leprosy for a moment. Leprosy in that, uh, in that time frame was an incurable disease, which would slowly eat the flesh of the person who's sick until death. It was the most judged kind of sickness people would run from these guys. They would put them outside of the city because the people saw this sickness as God's anger unleashed on a person. 
They saw leprosy as a curse or punishment for sin. It was incurable. There was no hope, no help whatsoever. You just die slowly. In Old Testament writings, this sickness became a metaphor to explain the nature and the danger of sin in our lives. We all have it. Sin is slowly but surely killing all of us. So this story is very significant in the story of the bigger scheme of God's redemption. Because it's telling the story of a very important man who also have the sickness. It's saying that sin does not care who you are. If you're the biggest guy on top or if you're at the lowest, sin comes for you. You will die of it if you're not saved from it. But the sad reality about Naaman's life is that leprosy was the least of his problems. He had another disease called spiritual leprosy. Let's coin it pride. He had many reasons to be prideful. He was second in command. God gave him, gave him favor to win a battle. He was highly favored by his king. He was a valiant soldier. He had every right to be prideful and to deem himself important. The first sign we get of this is the fact that he kidnapped an innocent girl. He assumed power over people. I can do with you what I want. Pride. Second sign, he bought and brought gifts with him to the prophet Elisha in order to buy his healing. Third sign, his anger, his rage. The fact that Elisha didn't treat him with the same respect as his king treated him. Fourth sign, embarrassment. He would rather die than humble himself and go into the river to get dipped. He had an incredibly huge, massive problem, pride. All of us, in some sense, struggle with the same thing. Behind every sin, you would find the root of it lies in pride. I esteem myself more or less than what God said about me. You know, do you know who I am? Or for some of us, I'm worth nothing. We assume that our status would qualify us. We think that we can buy God's favor in some way. We sometimes feel too embarrassed to humble ourselves before a living God. And what happens is this pride festers in our lives. But there came this very pivotal moment in the life of Naaman when he surrendered, when he bowed his knee to a living God. What happened? Verse 15. Naaman and all his descendants went back to the man of God, to Elijah, 
He stood before him and said, I know that your God is the God, and I now believe. He had faith. When he surrendered, when he bowed his knee, when he humbled himself, his response was faith in God. I mean, many of us would l- listen to this story and think, Yo, Naaman, come on. You don't deserve to be healed, man. You and your hodunki. You don't deserve to be healed. Let's be honest. You know, Naaman, maybe you wasn't so sick after all. Maybe you had a little bit of leprosy. Now you're throwing a tantrum and walking away. <laughs> and then he surprised us with humility, with surrender. And listen to this. The discovery of Naaman in this story is profound. Naaman discovered grace. He brought gifts to pay for his healing. And listen to this, verse 16. He brought all of these gifts to Elisha. And the prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Even though Naaman urged him, he refused. What is that called? Unmerited favor. Grace. Free grace. We should look at that and think to ourselves, man, this guy who was so prideful deserves the opposite of grace. He deserves judgment. He deserves a God with a stern hand. He deserves God's wrath. But God responds, responded in grace. Paul echoes that later on. Ephesians 2 verse 8, he says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this faith and grace is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Friends, many times in our lives, we want to bargain with God. We would say things like, Lord, if I do this, then you should do this. God, if I get a breakthrough in this area, I would do this for you. (laughs) Unfortunately, that is not how God works. God is a God of free grace. When we humble ourselves, when we bow the knee, when we come to Him with empty hands. I don't know where you are. What's the leprosy that you are suffering from at the moment? How do you deal with it? Surrender. Bow the knee. Faith in the one who will save you. Accept his free grace. And maybe for you, healing is maybe the story of your life, a challenge in your life. Unfortunately, there's no recipe for healing. There's no special 
person that can pray for you to be healed. It's only God that can heal. Yes, He can work through medicine. Thank God for that. He can work through incredible medical personnel. But in the end, it's He who heals. And I want to challenge you tonight. I want to invite you to bow the knee before this God, to surrender before Him. Now, like I said, we're going to tell a story tonight of someone in our family who's got a testimony of God's grace over his life. Might not look the same as Naaman's story, but God's grace is for everyone. And we're going to listen to that story tonight. So you can put your hands together for a guy by the name of Jeremy. Like this is proper 21st century technology. Come on. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's welcome Jeremy on stage. Jeremy, some of us know you, some of us don't. So uh, just tell us something a bit about yourself and then I want to invite you to, to tell your story. My whole story, because that's going to take quite long. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm Jeremy Barnard. Hi, everyone. Um, I am 25 years old, and obviously, I'm temporarily in a wheelchair. Um, well, this, this all started precisely a month before my 21st birthday. Um, I decided to go out that night because I had my new bike, so why not? And I went out and this guy jumped a red robot, um, knocking me about two cars high and I landed directly on my head. And in the landing, I tore my brain loose from my skull. Uh, it's called uh, diffuse axonal injury for those who are medical inclined. Um, now, basically what that means is your, your brain tears completely loose from your skull. And doctors had said to my parents that if, um, if I had a hole in my skull, my brain would have ran out onto the floor. Um, this is now... This was diagnosed as permanent brain damage, but not for my God. Um, <laughs> the brain injury then caused a rare condition called a neurogenic heterotopic ossification. And what that does is basically your, your body tells your brain that you've broken a bone and it must fix it, but you didn't break a bone. So it builds extra calcification onto that joint, which, which namely being my knees, my hips, and my right elbow. I have now gone through the process of uh, hip replacements on the right, a knee release on the right, and my elbow's been released. So through, through, through all that, um, I've just seen God's hand in everything from the beginning after the accident. 
um, with, with my diagnosis that I got, well, my mom would be able to tell you more about that, but um, I was resussed three times. Three times I had to be resuscitated, and in this time, I met God. Um, I'm not sure what day it was or what what time it was at, I was at, but I met God after finding out about my condition, the NHO, and I was crying. I, I got pushed back to my room in the hospital, and I was crying. I was like, God, like, why me? Like, why, why this? And I audibly heard him say, Jeremy, my son, I would never do that to you. And he showed me a vision of where I was walking normally on my two feet um, and testifying to people, telling them of how God saved me and what God has done for me. So this is actually the, the first, well, it isn't really the first time I've testified, it's just the, the, the biggest crowd I've testified to. So here it goes. I think your story is very unique and uh, very challenging, uh, but still you are here with hope in your heart and with a passion and love for God. How? Um, I don't really, I can't, I can't really place how that happened, but I'm pretty sure that's mostly her fault. <laughs> um, but I thank God for it every day because if I didn't have that background, that, that seed that was planted, I would never have known that it was God speaking when he spoke to me and showed me that vision. So I'm just really grateful that I was able to decipher or discern whether it's him or not. And that little vision that he showed me, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't even five minutes long, it was really short. But because I have that vision, I know that he, he isn't a man that he should lie. So, I mean, it's there. It, it's set in stone. Second last question is, you're obviously in this period of recovery and, uh, and is there anything at the moment that you can celebrate on this journey that has has uh, you know, become well or uh, better? Well, physically, definitely. Um, I mean, I walked two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I walked on the, on the bars at the physio and assisted, obviously, with holding onto the bars, but that was really cool. Um, so I celebrate that. I celebrate my father being saved through this whole story. I celebrate, I celebrate the ripple effects that my story has had 
plus four. I mean, like at least three of you guys are gonna go tell the story to someone else, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's really such a honor that God would use even me. I, I never would have thought it in my whole life that God would choose me to share his story, to, 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 to share his word um, through my story. It's amazing. I think many of us uh, struggle with that same emotion that you uh, spoke about earlier of, God, why me? And uh, Lord, what is happening in my life? Why, why me? What would you say as an encouragement to such a person tonight? Okay, I would say, go look for purpose in that position. Because, because you know, you, you aren't here by accident. There's a purpose for your life and there's a message you need to share. So I would just say, go, go look for, for purpose and if you can't find it, um, go look for God and then he will show it to you. Can we appreciate Jeremy? You guys can take him off. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your story with us, Jeremy. Can I please invite the worship guys to join me on stage? We're going to respond in a moment. And uh, as we week by week share these stories of hope, share stories of God's grace, and his goodness, I'm reminded that so many of us is not at the place where we can testify already of God's goodness and his grace in our lives. And I love what Jeremy just shared. Look for God. Look for purpose where you are right now. So many times we can see ourselves as victims of our environment, victims of what happened to us. But we forget that God had a dream about me. He's the author of my story. And no matter what happens to me or no matter what I, the bad decisions that I'm making, it's never going to nullify God's word over my life. And I, I wish that all of us tonight could, could respond in faith and say, Lord, my security, my trust, my hope is in Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness, this is the God that I serve. Can I invite you to stand with me? I want to pray over us and then we're going to respond with a song. Jesus, we humble ourselves before you tonight. God, your thoughts are highly removed from our thoughts. We, we can't understand, we can, can't always comprehend, but we have this assurance that you are for us and that you are with us, Lord. And my prayer tonight for each person in this room 
is that you will awaken faith in our hearts to see what your dream and your purpose is for our lives. That we would believe in your promises, that we would rely on your goodness and your faithfulness and your grace in our lives. Like Naaman, Lord, we wanna bend the knee. We wanna surrender to your ways. We wanna surrender to you, Lord. Jesus, our King and our Lord. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.